Welcome back to Life with Rajpal Ball. In today's episode, we're going to break down the midterm elections following the news today that uh, Democratic Senator Mark Kelly retained his control in Arizona. And really what we're looking at now is just from the in terms of the future is just a runoff in Georgia with when you have the incumbent uh, Senator Raphael Warnock, Democrat versus Herschel Walker, a Republican. Um, and I think this is an interesting race as well, because you do have two black men running for office with totally different platforms and totally opposite bases. Um, so that'll be fascinating to see um, what happens in the runoff there. I'm predicting a slight Warnock victory just because of the fact that he was, I think he was at like 49.4% in the most recent results. And um, Herschel Walker was at about 48.5%. So probably something similar, but rightfully so it's going to a runoff and we'll see what happens, right? So beyond that, though, I think it's really important to look at some key takeaways from these midterm elections. And I think first and foremost, the big takeaway that I had, and I think a lot of us had, was like the Roe v. Wade fallout is pretty real. Um, so like if we look at it, this NBC News' exit poll, they f- found that like 61% said that they were dissatisfied or angry about the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. And 37% said that they're enthusiastic or satisfied. And then of that 61%, a whopping 71% voted for Democratic candidates, while 27% voted for Republican candidates. So this illustrates that, you know, a conservative Supreme Court majority built by the GOP, um, you know, that, that definitely doesn't resonate well. And I think this also piggybacks into the second key takeaway of the fact that Gen Z really showed up and showed out. And honestly, I think it was like about two, almost three-fourths of Gen Z voters voted Democrat and totally canceled out boomers. Um, I think the math was like it was about, if I'm not mistaken, it was a tweet from uh, David Hogg, but he retweeted some math. And it was about how for Gen Z voters, it was about plus 3%. And then for the baby boomers, it was about minus 3%. So that it totally, totally canceled out the boomers um, when it came to voting for things like abortion rights or just candidates in general. And what we're seeing is majority of people who are Generation Z or our generation are going to be pro-socially, they're going to be pro-left-wing policy. And then economically, I think, is where people defer, right? But because of the dire state of our social policy as as a nation, everyone is going to, most mostly everyone will vote pro-choice instead of pro-life, right? And that's what we saw. That's what we just experienced. And it's only going to get more momentum as we progress because what Gen Z realized now is, oh my God, our generation showed up and showed out and look what happened, right? In terms of like social policy, more progressive social policies, but more importantly, just common sense human rights policies like being pro-choice stayed true right? They stayed, they they actually like, you know what? It was like, oh, wow, we were firm on this. It was more of a blue wall, if you will. The red wave, it was like the red wave that never was. And it was the blue wall that came to be. And I think it's largely because of Gen Z and largely because of the fact that our generation as a whole is majority of, the, of our generation is left wing in terms of their social policy. Again, economic policy, fiscal policy, that's a whole nother ballgame. But social policy, so basically morally, 
we're more likely to support just common sense things like being pro-choice, right? Okay. Um, and now if we also look at, I think a third key point here is kind of mentioning earlier, like the blue wall or Democrats kind of holding the line, um, especially in suburbs. I think this is a key point is like in suburbs, um, obviously cities are going to go democratic and then rural areas are going to be conservative for the most part, but Democrats did maintain a significant control or stronghold on key suburban areas particularly even in the Midwest, like in Kansas City. I think that was really impressive that Democrats were able to maintain control in Kansas City suburbs, which are historically fairly conservative, right? So I think that's that's just like, again, the fact that younger people are showing up and showing out and people are angry with overall like the GOP Supreme Court, GOP-dominated Supreme Court, right? Um, and I think what we also have to look at here is in 2018 – the suburbs delivered the Democrats a House majority, right? Those midterms in 2020, they vaulted Biden to the presidency. And now in 2022, suburbs across the country went a long way in helping Democrats avoid a significant red wave. It became much more of a red ripple than it did a red wave, right? Um, and now I guess on the on the flip side here, you look at the Republican Party. I think there are two key things you have to look at. Florida and Texas are yours. And I think what we just experienced shows that Florida and Texas will be red as long as Florida has someone like DeSantis in power and as long as tech are in office and as long as Texas has um, Democratic candidates who are too left wing. What do I mean by this? Okay, so first and foremost, in terms of Ron DeSantis, he, in my opinion, is just a competent Donald Trump. He doesn't have the mental blips that we've seen from both former President Donald Trump and current President Joe Biden, who sometimes has these little hiccups, right? Ron DeSantis does not have those hiccups, which makes him a very scary opponent for any Democrat, right? And it also makes him appear to be very competent, right? He just understands how to deliver his message better than Donald Trump, right? The fact that he is just, he continues to build momentum. I think it's just, a, it's a scary sight for, you know, for anyone who's not a DeSantis supporter. It's like, wow, this guy is like, you have to take this guy seriously, right? That's what I'm saying. Like everyone in the United States, or anyone who cares about American politics has to take Governor DeSantis seriously because he understands how to shift the Overton window or the way or the messaging, political messaging. He knows how to shift it to the far right. But unlike President Trump, he does so without being outwardly incompetent or stupid. He can say things that are uncalled for, right? He can, but, and he does, but he is not like outwardly incompetent or stupid, if that makes sense. Like you're not going to see, like he, he just, he does a better job at delivering his message than former President Donald Trump. And I think that should make Republicans, if I was a Republican, like, um, if I was like a Republican official and I was a member of the Electoral College and I tended to vote conservative and I tended to want a Republican president, I would really want DeSantis over Trump because of the fact that DeSantis, yes, he would divide. Yes, Democrats probably wouldn't like this guy. And they, and they definitely, like right now you see a lot of Democrats really don't like him. But unlike Trump, it's much harder to pinpoint this guy for his like just personality and things that he like just his overall incompetence 
yes, you can call him out for his policy. Yes, you can call him out for all these things. Like the thing he did with the migrants, I think that's uncalled for. But like, it's just, he's just a scarier opponent because he knows how to present himself in a more competent political manner than President Donald, former President Donald Trump, right? And now when we look at Texas, I think Texas is some, something that I personally, like I was involved in Beto's 2018 campaign versus Ted Cruz, and that was Beto's best chance at getting to office. And you know why it was? is because of the fact that Beto ran on a moderate platform. He never appeared as a stereotypical left-wing Democrat. He appeared as a guy who wanted what's best for Texas and was a Texan. Like, he was just a moderate. He was like, you know what? It's all about voting for me and not voting for my party. And the moment I think things went south for him in 2018 was when he had Bernie 2016 guys running his campaign and shifting the message further left. Yes, some of the things that any candidate like Bernie Sanders says, or Senator Bernie Sanders says, they they make sense. But in Texas, how do you win an election? You win an election by being true to your constituents. Texans as a whole are not going to be receptive to socialist rhetoric. So the more you say vote Beto, vote straight Democrat, right? The more you advocate for more quote-unquote socialist policy, the less likely you are to resonate with the Texan crowd or the Texan base. And Greg Abbott can just run all over you like he did, right? I think that is something that we have to really keep in mind. Like for Texas in particular, if you're running as a Democrat or you're not running as a Republican in Texas, be as moderate as possible with your messaging, right? Be as moderate as possible with your messaging because Texas is already far, is already right, right wing as a state. The establishment here is right wing. So if you want to be something other than the right wing establishment, you have to be slightly less right wing in your messaging and in your campaigning. Beto was not the guy who was like, oh, I'm just more moderate than this guy. He was the guy who was like, I'm like the polar opposite of this guy. And he started out not being that way. It really just right now in 2022, it was just like a, I hate Greg Abbott type of thing. And it's like, yeah, Greg Abbott's not the best guy to have as your governor. But Beto, you have to do a better job at marketing yourself as, I'm just more, I'm just less extreme. I am more moderate I am more competent. That's what you need to do in Texas. I feel like that is what will lead to your best results. And look at his results in 2018. Barely lost. Since then, not been the case. But again, just food for thought, right? Um, so I think, you know, that's Florida, Texas. Republicans keeping control. I think the next thing that we really want to look at here is President Trump, former President Trump's picks all pretty much, like most of them fell short. So in particular, I'm looking at the Rust Belt swing states. So Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, they've been key swing states in like presidential elections for years, and they will probably be critical again in 2024. But the fact that no supporters of Trump, Trump's election lies, were victorious in these three states, I think that shows you that there is a cause there's less of a cause for concern for future democrat like for the future of like democrats in these states if anything democrats should rejoice over the fact that okay the voting base in these swing states 
they don't really believe the lies and the ones who do are outnumbered, right? It's a positive sign. I think that's something to keep in mind is like, it's almost as if former President Trump's message has not resonated as well as he thought it would in states that are true swing states. However, however, out West in Nevada and Arizona, the anti- like democratic, and I mean democratic here, anti-democratic is like anti-democracy, much more pro-election-like candidates. We're in tight battles for both governor and secretary of state. Um, But like the most, I think, election-lie supporting candidate, um, Mark Fincham, he's the Arizona candidate for secretary of state. He was trailing... um, uh, Adrian Fontes, a Democrat, um, with majority of the vote recorded. So I think, again, like you're seeing out West, I do think there are more election deniers than you will see in like the Rust Belt, right? That's what I think we've seen. So it's not like election deniers are just non-existent anymore. It's more like swing states are swing states for a reason. And it's not because of the election. It's not because of, like, their beliefs on the 2020 election. What we see from swing states, like the Rust Belt states, is, okay, we have a majority of people who support the results or acknowledge the results of the 2020 election. And really what we're going to really do, what we're really going to do is support the more common sense candidate, the candidate who won't take away my money, the candidate who will support me as a blue-collar worker, the candidate who is the most like me, And more importantly, the candidate who understands what my family needs and what I need to be a productive citizen in this state, right? Um, And then finally, I just have a bit of a prediction, I think more for like 2024. But what these midterms really showed us was that instead of President Biden being challenged by Governor, California Governor Gavin Newsom in 2024, I believe that we will see President Trump be challenged by Governor DeSantis. And again, like I was saying earlier, I think Governor DeSantis should win and will win the GOP nomination in 2024 because he is literally just, in my opinion, I just call him the competent Trump. So it's like Donald Trump going against a guy who's just more competent than he is and with the same divisive rhetoric that he has. Right. It's I think that's just something we all have to keep in mind. And honestly, the I think the big speaking point for Governor DeSantis, the fact that Miami Dade County flipped red in the midterms, I think that just spells doom for Democrats in future elections, because like that's that's like that's the Democratic stronghold in Florida. And it was red. It was red in the midterms. Right. So I think DeSantis really understands he understands his platform. He understands his message. He understands what it takes to win Florida. And honestly, I think that makes him a very, very competent challenger to Donald Trump for the Republican nomination or former President Donald Trump. On the on the Democratic side, it's for sure going to be Biden. Um, he did not have a setback. There was no setback for Democrats, even with the inflation, even with perhaps an incoming recession. There was no setback, right? There was no setback for President Biden. So he should be the party's nominee for 2024. Then it becomes a matter of, do we want Kamala Harris to be President Biden's running mate, Vice President Kamala Harris? 
to be his running mate still, or do we want him to have a new running mate, right? I think it'd be interesting if we had like a, you know, just a different ticket for the Democratic Party. Perhaps that would lead to an even greater margin of victory for President Biden in 2024. Again, though, like I said earlier, Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, he is just, he he's just, he knows how to, his messaging is just a bit, it's just, he under, he doesn't have those little hiccups that Biden and Trump have. So if Biden were to have someone who just had fewer hiccups than Kamala or slips, I think that would go a long way in securing or maintaining, you know, or just be getting reelected to the office of the president of the United States. But bottom line, we look at the midterms 2022. I think this sentence is really what encapsulates these, these two lines, I think, encapsulate everything that happened and what we should expect going forward. So first and foremost, it was the red wave that never was. And then secondly, it was the blue wave that blue wall that came to be. Again, it's not like it was a blue wave. It was a wall. It was more so the fact that Americans are genuinely irked about the Supreme Court Roe v. Wade decision. Americans are genuinely irked at the fact that there were a lot of election deniers. And what we're also seeing is that Americans genuinely want, honestly, first and foremost, to maintain our democracy. And secondly, they just really want to have competent people elected to office. So the more competent you are, the less slip-ups you have, and overall, the more socially liberal platform you have, you will probably be elected to office more so than people who are just a bit more closed off and incompetent. Okay, thank you for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you to our sponsor, and talk to you guys soon.